All right, guys. So now we're going to start on the narrative films that we saw. And we're going to start off with, uh, we saw three foreign films and four non-foreign films, I guess you could say. Well, oh. I guess it depends on where you're at, too. Y yeah, good point. So, okay, we're based in America, so, you know. For, so for us, three foreign films yeah. and two American films. Four American films. Four American films. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, we're going to start off with the foreign films that we saw. And the first one that we're going to review is a Finnish film called The Blind Man Who Did Not Want to See Titanic. That is legitimately the title of the movie <laughs> and kind of the premise of the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, But, I mean, there's so much more than just what the title gives you. And it's actually about a guy uh, named uh, Jocko who is blind and wheelchair-bound. Um, he wasn't always this way, though. Like, his health started to deteriorate the older he got. Because um, he got his MS. Yeah, he's got multiple sclerosis. And so, uh, you know, his, his health started to deteriorate, and therefore his vision started to uh, go away, and he was became wheelchair-bound as well. Mm -hmm. But um, before he was uh, wheelchair-bound and blind, he actually was a, a giant movie lover, and he, you know, has someone come in that takes care of him. He refers to her as Nurse Ratched mm -hmm. and as uh, Annie... Um, Annie Wilk... No, Wilk Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes. And, you know, from Misery. So it's like, it's... It's really funny. Like, he's a really goofy guy mm -hmm. um, and really lovable. And then uh, he talks to a girl named Serpa uh, over the phone. They've actually never met in person. They've met online. Or, like, they kind of talked online, I guess. Or they met no, online somehow. They met online. Um, I think it's kind of through, like, a support group thing. Could have been, yeah. Um, and then they started having phone conversations. Yeah, and then they started having phone conversations with, with each other. And, you know, they're always talking about, like, movies and other things. And well, he's always talking about movies. He's always talking about movies. He, he hasn't watched anything past, I think, the mid-90s. Yeah, give or take. Mm -hmm. And he's a huge James Cameron fan. He refers to Serpa as uh, Ellen Ripley from the Alien yeah. franchise. <laughs> and... Um, then he talks about how like he loves James Cameron, but then it, when he got to Titanic, it's like why would James Cameron make you know the Terminator films and then um, Aliens and True Lies and everything else, and then go and make Titanic this giant? He just starts <laughs> bashing on Titanic without having seen it, and and the funny thing is he actually has it in his collection. Yeah, he has it in his collection unopened. And I think he mentions that, like, he has it unopened in case someone wants to come over and if they want to watch it or yeah. something like that. <laughs> but, um, but the great thing about this is the guy that plays Jocko is, um, uh, let me see if I can say his name, uh, Petri Poikolainen. I cannot, I apologize for butchering the name, but the last name, yeah. the last name but um, in real life, he is blind. The actor is blind and also wheelchair bound. Mm -hmm. And so it's, great when like there are certain scenes where like he's struggling to uh answer the phone or do something with his phone it gives it that more authentic feel due to the fact that you know in real life this is actually how he is mm -hmm. and the the director of this movie actually makes it very up close like everything every single shot or most shots are very up close and the surrounding areas are around the it's uh, out of focus. It, around the other places out of focus so around the other people out of Even, focus so um when people are talking that aren't very like they're not important mm -hmm. they're very out of focus it's hard to hear what they're saying sometimes but even when the ones, with the exception of uh, Serpa, yeah, they're a little distorted, just a mm -hmm. little bit. Yeah, and like, so it it pretty much mimics what um, Jocko is seeing in the movie, and also what the actor sees in real mm -hmm. life. 
and it's a very unique approach to making this. There's never any moment where like there's an establishing shot and then you go into his apartment or this mm-hmm. is an establishing shot and then you go into other areas like a train station or something like that. There are flashbacks where it like takes him to where when he's running and actually he's dreaming. Or he's dreaming. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's in his dreams that he's running. Okay. Which I initially I thought that those were flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Until, because I thought, oh, maybe they're flashbacks and, you know, this kind of tells you he was probably running and had an accident. Yeah. And that's why he's now wheelchair-bound. No. It's because <laughs> he's wheelchair-bound because of his MS. He's mm-hmm. blind because um, as his MS is progressing, his blindness starts kicking in. Mm-hmm. Which um, brings, you know, to a lot of different hardships that he has to go through within the movie and you see that. Whether it's how people treat him or how if he's in some kind of condition Mm -hmm. where he needs help how is he going to be able to overcome that Mm -hmm. himself or whether you know whether it's himself or if he tries to get somebody to help yeah and surprising like this movie is super short it's Mm -hmm. only about 80 minutes but it packs a punch like it and the thing is like you know he hears that serpa is also having health issues and her health I think her health is actually getting worse than his she, is. Yeah, and she's scared. And she's scared, and so he actually wants to take a trip to go and actually meet her in person. Um, you know, that's going to be proven a little difficult when there's people that don't really want to help him, or there's also other people that, you know, kind of... I think the, the big question that not only did his nurse um, that takes care of him and his dad say is, how are you going to get there? Mm-hmm. Because the only way he's able to get there is basically... The easiest way is if his nurse is able to take him, but she's not. Mm-hmm. On, like, when he needs to go. And he doesn't answer anything from his dad, really, because dad's trying, you know, bathing him. Yeah. And he's okay. And he doesn't want to hear it, which I understand. Mm-hmm. And what I love, and I want, I'm not sure, because I've never been to Finland, but I don't know if this is how their culture is, which I love, because he can call a cab and let him know, hey, um, I'm wheelchair bound. Mm-hmm. Can you get me a taxi that ha- um, to help me? And they will do that. Mm-hmm. Calls the um, train ticket station. Hey, I'm, I need assistance. I'm wheelchair bound. And, and I need a ticket. And they'll tell me, you know, whether or not if, if they have an assistant there that is able to help them, then they'll be able to help. But if not, they'll tell them, no, hey, we don't have somebody that's able to help at this time. Do you, is there someone that you have that can go with you? Mm-hmm. And I, I just love that because we don't have that here in America. Nope. Oh my goodness, it's kind of, you fun for yourself. Yeah, pretty much. But I was really blown away by how much I just loved this movie. Mm-hmm. It's really, the main actor is super funny. He's super yes. lovable. The directing is just fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't think of a better way to portray his vision and portray everything that he sees and bring the story to life than the way that it's done. Did you notice that none of the shots, or at least from what I can remember, none of the shots were at standing level? Yeah, they're all at his level. Mm-hmm. Even when like he's if encountering he, other people. Yep, and when he falls down, it's all on his level, which mm-hmm. I like a lot because it gives you more of a view on how he's viewing things. Yeah. Because a lot of times you don't get that a lot so that approach i really appreciated yeah and i'm really hoping that um you know even though a lot of foreign films in terms of like wide releases here mm-hmm. in america they don't really happen as much 
I'm really hoping this finds an audience because it's definitely worth it. It's it's lovely, it's funny, and I think so far it's my favorite movie this year. I mm-hmm. it's gonna be a little hard to top, even though it's only April, but like this is a fantastic movie and I'm gonna give it my highest grade. I'm gonna give it a ten. I'm giving this one a nine. Okay. I told you before. I know, I know. You've mentioned you've mentioned it so, before. Because there's always you know improvements, but honestly, like this is really hard not to want to give it a ten. Yeah. So it's kind of like a grudging nine, <laughs> but in a good way because I really want to give it a ten. Give it a ten. Nope, nope, don't take <laughs> me. Um, but I just I loved it. You know, it's it's so you want to root for him. Yeah. And I love rooting for the underdogs. You mm-hmm. know that it almost made me want to go like Rudy, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but if whenever this comes avail- becomes available, whether it's in the theaters, if it's become available in the theater near you, definitely go check it mm-hmm. out. I wish we I wouldn't had mind checking it out again if it does come to theaters yeah, over here. Yeah, and then like, but if you can't get the theater access um, in your area, definitely get it on like a streaming service or something mm-hmm. like that. Definitely worth checking out. All right, and now we're gonna get, dive into the next foreign film. Okay, so our next foreign film is The Vanishing Fog. A Vanishing Fog. Oh, A Vanishing Fog. Oh, sorry. A Vanishing Fog. It is a film with very little dialogue, almost to none, mm-hmm. um, but with maybe five lines. There are a few. There's like very few lines. Yeah, there are a few lines here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, very beautiful scenery. Yes. Uh, all around the um, Paramo of Sumapaz. I think that's how I say it. I think that's how I say it, yeah. Um, area in Colombia. I'm torn. Mm-hmm. about this one um because it's this is basically all revolving around little boy f mm-hmm. um he is him and his dad is the guardian of the mountain mm-hmm. basically um i'm torn because i don't exactly know the direction the way the movie is going because in times it seems like they're going through some kind of war because mm-hmm. one of the very few dialogues that you hear is somebody checking in on the cv radio and, you know, making sure, hey, are you guys checking in? Are you guys okay? But then nothing gets sent back out. You yeah. only hear the receiving part, but you don't hear them talking on the CB radio. Yeah, there's there's a lot to process with this movie, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I entirely get it myself, too. Uh, like you, I'm torn on it. I think it's lovely to look at scenery-wise, mm-hmm. but I also think it's a little too um, self-indulgent in some scenes. Like... The director wants to capture this character's isolation, mm-hmm. and they and the director does it a little too much in my in my opinion. Like you know, when you're isolated from everything and everyone, and it's only you and your father, and your father has health issues, to where you pretty much have to take care of him on a twenty four seven basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get the the isolation feel. I get that, but. In terms of like seeing it in a movie, I don't know if I need to see certain scenes as yes. long as it goes in this one. Like the, the sexuality the, scenes. The sexuality scenes, like there's one involving a cow, I think, or yeah, yeah, and there's one where like for a minute there, I thought he was going to yeah, and then there's one that's like also involving fruits, fruits, and yeah, there. So it's it's very artistic and artistic it, in a way it is, it like it's you know it's definitely one of those where the director has a vision and if you're willing to jump in and accept the vision that the director has in mind you know you may just be blown away by this movie mm-hmm. i'm kind of indifferent on it due to the fact that 
you know, like I said, I don't know where this is going, and I don't know if we really need to see mm -hmm. this scene here and this scene there. But it kind of gives a Alejandro uh, Jordaski vibe. Um, he's the director of like the Holy Mountain and like a bunch of other films. But it kind of gives that vibe. Also gives like a very David Lynch kind of vibe as well. But I don't think it really goes the or I don't think it really like blends together that well with um, the visuals and with the story. It is, some of it is a little hard to take in. The visual aspect is extremely beautiful, and you get to see a lot of his own struggles and his own turmoil. The little information that they really give you is also from the diary mm -hmm. that he's kind of writing and keeping track of, and it's it's sad. Yeah. You know, you have a boy that looks to be between eighteen to like early twenties, give mm -hmm. or take having to take care of his ailing father and he explores a mountain throughout the day because it's it's literally it's supposed to be just him and his dad mm -hmm. so some of the scenes where it has started into incorporate people in there i got a little lost because i kept asking wait i thought he was only supposed to be there with his dad alone where do these people come from i'm because... yeah the more i think about it the more i'm thinking that they may have been mirages they may have mm -hmm. just been his own imagination yeah they may have just been like that's what he's longing for mm -hmm. and you know having been isolated for it doesn't really explain like how long he's been isolated for i think actually maybe it does it, or maybe he's been isolated long enough uh -huh. because it does in the beginning explain a little bit um um his mom. Yeah. So I think he's been there for quite a while, probably maybe when he was born. Mm-hmm. So like it, it gives a little bit of that, but there there are some scenes where like the director doesn't really want to have anyone say anything. Like there's no very little exposition, mm -hmm. if any, um, and a lot of it is through like journal entries and through other ways of telling the story. It's almost very poetic in a mm -hmm. way and very Terrence Malick-like, um, director of um, Hidden Life and Voyage of Time mm -hmm. and The Third Line. Uh, but yeah, very much like that in a way as well in terms of telling the story. But I don't think it's really as captivating as it tries to be. And I think a lot of it is good to look at. I think it's very visually stunning and you know unique in a way. But I'm I think by the end, I'm just like, I got a little frustrated more than I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I fell asleep <laughs> during the end a little bit. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I think for this one, like I said, I'm torn. I like a lot of it. I don't like a lot of it. Uh, I, I know you and I discussed ratings off <laughs> yeah. the before we started recording, so I think I'm going to steal your rating. And... What? <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a six. I'm Because I'm torn. I like it, but I also don't like it. Like there, were, I think there are things that I like more that are slightly, that kind of slightly outweigh the things I don't like about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Um, I gave this a six, stealing my rating here. Um, mainly because it's, it's beautiful. I do like it, but I kind of wish I had a little bit of a better understanding. And part of it could also be because, with the exception of Chinese films, I don't have a lot of exposure to different foreign films. Yeah. So the way, you know, their style of doing it could just be something I'm not used to. And if I were to watch more of it, I may be able to understand a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I was reading other people's um, ratings and their own take on the movie. And the one thing that came 
that was constant. And basically the only thing that they really talked about, which is why they gave the ratings that they did, was it was visually captivating. It is. It definitely... It, it definitely is. But that, for me, that's all there was to it. Mm-hmm. It was just that. And so you can see the turmoils, you know, his struggles. But in a lot of that, you don't really need a lot of dialogue because it's there in the acting. Right. So I did appreciate that they didn't have a whole lot of speech. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't appreciate was I couldn't understand it fully, which is why I can't give it a high score. I mean, I loved it. I mean, I don't know. Sorry, correction. I didn't love it. I liked it. Yeah, well, and I think the reason why I'm a little torn on giving it a high score, too, is because of the fact that I think the director kind of lingers on some scenes way longer than yes. they should have. And that's where it's just like, you know, it, it seems a little self-indulgent in some aspects. And that's why I'm a little torn on that. You know, I mean, there are some directors who you can consider self-indulgent. Like Terrence Malick has been considered self-indulgent for a long time, but... He still makes beautiful movies. Mm-hmm. Um, David Lynch is also considered self-indulgent <laughs> in a way. His, uh, but his stuff is like pretty intriguing. It can be maddening in some cases, but it can, it's also very intriguing and fascinating to watch. So yeah, this one, you know, it's uh, it's going to find an audience. I'm not going to be part of that audience, though. Yeah, so. I'm not really going to be much of a fan of that audience either. So, all right, now let's go on to the next one. All right. So our next film is Raquel One One. Now this is I thought I thought it was interesting because like I thought the title was like Raquel One on One or Raquel mm-hmm. some you know so I was like wait what does this mean but then as it kept going more into it and I knew more about the story then I realized okay it's like Raquel Book One Chapter One um, yes. like the Bible. So this is about a religious teenager who moves to a small town with her dad after a pretty traumatic incident um, with, her mom. with her mom and so. They're starting a new life over, and she finds um, the local church and starts to get involved in the church. Mm-hmm. As she gets more involved and like starts to um, form like this friendship and everything uh, with the people that are there, she starts to question if there should be like another book of the Bible that is more favorable toward women, mm-hmm. and uh, you know wants to see if like anyone else. Um, has any kind of interest in mm-hmm. helping to define, revise it, revise it and uh, rewrite, not rewrite, but like kind but of... kind of not have words in it like women are slaves. Yeah. Um, and made it where women are not the lower of the sex, mm-hmm. make them more equal. Yeah. And so that, you know, draws inspiration from some, but mostly backlash from mm-hmm. a lot of people. So this is a um, Brazilian film. It's all in Portuguese and for those that aren't familiar with like the Brazilian politics and everything it's a very conservative area Mm -hmm. Um, and so like if people in America you know question like oh how can we be so conservative or how can people be so like strict on these things and uh, but if you go to other countries like they are much harsher than we are here Um, they have much more strict uh, guidelines and rules and everything in places like Brazil so it's interesting to see like how the religious aspect of that of a new country or not new country but of a different country is versus here and like how people would be this is almost like if you were to say this in 1950s 1960s no 1940s 1950s america it may get the same response Mm -hmm. um but in 2022 america not so much 
So it's interesting to see like how it plays out in a different country. And I I like the movie, but I also feel like it should have been more challenging. Like there are some parts where it's like she's going through this change and everything and she actually has like scars forming mm-hmm. on her body and it's very symbolic to like the the crucifixion of Christ and all that. And it's you know, challenging in that way, kind of interesting to see it that way. But then when you get to the end, I don't think it really sticks the landing or really kind of brings anything new to what's already been done with other movies that kind of focus on the same kind of thing. Agreed. I liked it in the very beginning. It started out pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And then when it got to the end, it dropped for mm-hmm. me. Because um, it started out, you know, with her being that normal, shy teenage girl in a new area that she doesn't know and she's asking the local girls, hey, where, can, you know, can we hang, where is it that local people go and all the stuff. And so that was how she actually got introduced into the church, went to their, I guess, um, it would be their form of Bible study. Yeah. But it was all girls that was in the room. There were no guys in that room at all. Yeah, well, and they do that for, like, even at the churches around here, well, they'll have, like, women, ladies' night or something like that. Really? I've never sure I haven't seen it. I've mm-hmm. been to a, a couple um, of them for... Because I would have to go over to friends to do projects and stuff, but then they would have their Bible study first. And I've always seen it as more intermixed. It can be, yeah. It can be uh, co-ed or there can be certain nights where it's like ladies' night or something like that. Um, Or even like the men's group kind Mm -hmm. of way. I've been to a few Bible studies myself, and I think the few that I've been to were all men. I think there might have been one I went to where it was Mm co-ed, but um, it was a while ago. But but yeah, uh, continue. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it was interesting to kind of see that because that was where she started thinking a little bit more of why is it that the Bible is taking the female side as the lower sex that we have to endure all of this pain Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have to take all of this abuse being labeled as the slave of men. And it's interesting that you see how and i guess in anywhere there's always that click that forms mm-hmm. and you'll always have that mean girl or the queen bee that likes to be you know opposed you know, all the time so then there is one in here where she's actually the daughter of the pastor is it, it her mom's the pastor okay. yes um the daughter of the pastor and how i guess i guess a right would be outrageous she can get into a lot of mm-hmm. and I think it's it's more of that she's afraid of not just only leading her other fellow sisters astray because a lot of them do agree and you see later on why one of her the best friend why she starts to follow Raquel mm-hmm. and we see that but it's interesting because at first I'm like well is it because she's jealous is it because is it really because of religion that they're afraid because they start basically saying that Raquel is possessed. Mm -hmm. So is it because of that? Or is it really that because you are jealous that somebody else that's new came and took away what you had? Instead of you are the pink bean, now she is because she has a lot less followers. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like a, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. And you can't be right either way. Yeah. And I, I think like this movie definitely gave me some carry vibes without the revenge mm, yes. factor to it but i did hear i did read i should say some other people comparing it to saint Maud, which i haven't seen yet mm-hmm. but um I, I just think that like for a movie that is going for a very controversial subject like this and 
you know, I'm someone who is Christian, but I'm also open to watching how certain filmmakers will approach um, the religious subject and, like, you know, watching, like, Darren Aronofsky's Mother or watching um, other movies that, you know, they can either be The Ten Commandments mm-hmm. or it can be something more hardcore like Mother or, like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of other movies as well that, like, kind of go the more R-rated route um, but don't really like give they like play with the the stories of the bible but also don't really make it like family friendly kind of way i'm thinking of the ninth gate with johnny Depp. never did see that one actually uh, yeah i saw that one okay but it was a long time ago though but yeah this is like this is one where i i felt like it needed to challenge me more and it didn't like there are some elements of it where it's like you know there she's getting just insulted left and right mm-hmm. and she's getting um mocked left and right and like even like at the parties that she goes to it's it's almost like there needed to be more to it to really convince me that this is a profound and powerful film where it's just like there are aspects of it where it is but there are aspects where it where it's just kind of routine mm-hmm. and that's where it kind of faltered for me and i and i watched i watched this one twice because i felt like i needed to see it again to see if there's really something that I'm missing and the second time I watched it the second time I was just like it didn't really change my mind but it also made me kind of see like okay they're going for certain things but then they don't like completely finalize it they don't like really land it the way that they intended to see and for me when you're talking about the scenes and being it being powerful Mm -hmm. I thought that the dancing scene where they got you know their their little get together yeah um I didn't think that one was as powerful as when she was working at her dad's supermarket and mm-hmm. that lady came in. I thought that was a more powerful scene. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there there are good aspects to it. This is a good um, movie, but I don't think it's really as great as mm-hmm. um, I was hoping it to be. So, I'm going to go with a, like, a seven on this, but I'm kind of, like, tw- I'm kind of in between that six and a half and a seven, you know? Like, it's... It's good, but I just can't quite say like anything beyond that. Are you reading my notes? I'm not. I'm here. You're there. So. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't. I mean, I see. Could... I mean, you do have carrot eyes. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it a seven because I did really like it, but it didn't have a strong ending for me. Mm-hmm. It, at the end, like you, I did have that carry vibe. I didn't see Saint Maud, but when you actually read that description, I'm like, oh. That makes me think of a little bit of how St. Maud probably is. Yeah. Which we do have to watch. I know. Uh, <laughs> we've been saying that for a while, too. But it's just, it did not end well with me. It's It almost gave me the feeling of she went ahead and went against what she strongly believed in mm-hmm. to gain acceptance. Yeah, and this is like one of those where, you know, interpreting the Bible is... Mm-hmm controversial in like so many different ways and i think what was interesting that it approaches this way and like how certain people interpret it and how it should be revised and like that's been an argument for many many years i don't think this really adds anything new to that um argument of like revising the bible or making it more favorable toward women or anybody else but i i do think like there are some elements that work in this and it's good for what it goes for or it's good for what it attempts to go for, but it's not amazing or remarkable or anything like that. I do appreciate, though, and this was something that you brought to my attention. I did appreciate that a lot of it had to deal with what... Because Brazil's crime rate of abused women is pretty high. Mm-hmm. 
And this kind of deals with that a little bit. So I did appreciate because I didn't realize that until you told me. So yeah. I appreciated it for that aspect. And you see, like, in the headlines, um, like, how Brazil doesn't top the crime rate, but, like, they're, it, like, gets pretty high up there in terms of abused women. And, you know, this is, like, a, a commentary on, you know, Brazil's conservative views and Brazil's crime rate and everything. And so, like, it's it's interesting that the director went this route and, like, tried to be more critical on certain aspects of Brazil. Because I've been I don't think I've actually seen a Brazilian film. And so I don't know how, like, this compares to other Brazilian films and, like, how much more radical this is compared to other Brazilian films. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, um, I think that concludes all the foreign films that we yeah. watched for South by Southwest. All right. So next up, we're going to talk about the American, American films. films. Jinx. Jinx. Jinx again. But um, yeah, next up will be the American films.